This is being done uncut, unscripted, and on the fly, and is a podcast exclusive. You know, yesterday I was doing a podcast via my voice recorder, which I uploaded onto Anchor.fm, which also has an app that I could utilize, and I did. And it was called What is Sparity? It was basically a My Little Pony Friendship is Magic discussion. And Sparity, for those of you that are wondering, is short for Spike the Dragon and Rarity the Unicorn from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, two of the main characters out of what is known as the main six, main seven, or main eight, if you will. And it talked, and it was basically a discussion of basically introducing or letting people on the podcast format of things kind of have an idea of why this ship, this wording, when it came to My Little Pony over the past decade, was a thing, why it was in existence. And surprisingly, it's gotten a lot of views. Well, I wouldn't say views, but a lot of listeners. It actually surpassed one of the uh, podcasts that I did back on Friday, which was my TGIF Topics on My Mind, and it surpassed it, and it hasn't even been 24 hours since it got uploaded. So that's saying something. So it got me thinking. It got me thinking, you know, if Spike and Rarity's relationship could hit such a high note across the board... What other relationship or shipping um, could do the same? And I thought of one. And it's one that ironically is connected to a franchise that has a movie coming out on Valentine's Day of next month. That ship, that romantic ship that's connected to this franchise goes by two words. San Sal or San Alley. Basically short for Sonic and Sally. Yes, characters formerly known, or actually known, I should say, as Sonic the Hitchhawk and Princess Sally Acorn. Now, Sally Acorn, her history at the beginning is kind of complicated. I mean, she did kind of start officially in Sega, within the Sonic uh, comics distributed by Sega, like the little promotional comics. But she wouldn't become a well-renowned figure and get the fan base that she got until later on, around late 92, and mostly throughout 1993. You see, in late 92, she made... Uh, debut in comics once again via Archie Comics when they had the license to publish Sonic Comics. She made her debut in the Sonic miniseries issues 0 to 3 and then continued on being a part of that when it officially got a run by Archie Comics that ran from 1993 all the way up to about 2017-18. Yeah, and the reason I say all the way up to that time is because around 2017 and 2018, Archie and Sega mutually parted ways due to some behind-the-scenes issues and stuff. It's just a whole freaking mess. There was delays, royalties being supposedly owed to former writers, stuff like that. Anyway... 
After that, of course, as a lot of you may know, IDW Comics picked up the rights from Sega almost not even 48 hours later to do their own comic, which is celebrating, as of we speak, its 25th issue. Now, of course, the IDW comic has had its delays and stuff too, but not as prominently. But what does this have to do with Sonic and Sally? Well, hear me out, we're going to get to that. You see, Sonic and Sally's relationship is kind of one of those relationships that's naturally grown. It's beloved by the fandom because of what I just said. It's naturally grown. It's organic. It feels believable and realistic. And it's one of those relationships that no matter what the ups and downs are, you always know is going to be, you know, something that's going to basically, how do I put it? is basically going to be the go-to no matter what. Now, the reason I say that, and I know that sounds a little kind of rambleish right there, but basically the reason I say that is because the one thing about Sonic and Sally's relationship in the comics, and they teased it somewhat in the first season of the Saturday Morning Cartoon on ABC, is the fact that they would still remain friends even though, after they would remain friends, they would be open to going out with other people, other characters. The comics, the comic, I should say, the Archie comics, explored this even more, despite how people felt about that. You know, Sally would show interest in a character called Jeffrey St. John, and then later on she would show interest in a character named Monkey Con, who went and called himself Ken Con. And then Sonic, on the other hand, would show interest in characters like Fiona Fox before she turned into an anti-hero slash traitor. She would, he would show interest, believe it or not, in a character called Minor Mongoose. And then he would show interest, believe it or not, they actually teased it for a bit, with Bunny Rabot. Part of that was, of course, an evil twin from another dimension. But then there were other times as well, like when he rescued her from being assimilated by an intelligent intelligent AI because the intelligent AI didn't know any better because it was still learning about what was going on so it was trying to assimilate Bunny uh, into its systems to learn more. Anyway, long story short, it's the long story short, it's those very reasons that made the relationship so believable and fans wanting to see them to be together no matter what. It's very similar to Zach Morris and Kelly Kapowski in the Saved by the Bell franchise. You always knew from the beginning that these two were going to be together. But throughout the Saved by the Bell's history, the four to five year run of the original Saved by the Bell, Zach and Kelly would always pretty much at times either be together or there would be times that they would kind of go their mutual ways, remain friends, but would date other people. Yeah, they would date other people, which is kind of interesting because some of the people that they would get shipped with, even if it's for one or two episodes, would be part of the group, part of the friends group. Like Kelly, believe it or not, they teased something between her and Screech. Zach ended up with Lisa for a bit. And then, of course, they would bring in other characters that were one-shots. Like with Zach, you had... Um, what was it? With Zach, you had Saved by the Bell Hawaiian style, where they introduced a love interest for him. 
um, in a mother who was actually a little older than him called Andrea. And they actually gave Kelly a love interest who actually turned out to be a jerk in the end because he was sort of a double agent, if you will, double crosser. And then, speaking of Zach, they gave him another love interest. They gave him another love interest in the form of a character named Stacy, who was like his boss at this summer resort or beach resort, whatever, that he and his friends would take summer jobs at, that I think they even debuted in the summer. That would be those episodes. Kelly also would get some love interest outside of Zach, besides Screech. And believe it or not, probably the most controversial, if not most despised one that she was in, was during the college years, where she started to have an attraction to one of the new professors there, and thus the professor had an attraction towards her. And it kind of made her come off as a bit of a you-know-what. Thankfully, thankfully, that, thankfully nothing came of that. And in the end, Zach and Kelly, as a lot of fans were hoping, did get together, if not basically got married in the movie finale, Wedding in Las Vegas. Now, like I said, the reason I bring this up and the reason it relates to Sonic and Sally, because Sonic and Sally are pretty much very similar in those ways. That no matter who they ended up with outside of, you know, basically when they were friends, I should say, and outside of the relationship that was more than just friendship, Sonic and Sally would always end up together. Like I said, it wouldn't matter if Sonic was with, would show interest in Minor Mongoose or Fiona Fox or, or Bunny Rabot. You know, he would end up back with Sally. Same thing with Sally. Didn't matter if she showed interest in Jeffrey, Ken Khan, or whoever. She ended up back with Sonic. Because that was the go-to. That was basically the one relationship that no matter what the change was, was always definitive. It was always meant to be. And that's what made it so naturally believable to a lot of fans because a lot of people can relate with that. A lot of fans could relate with the fact that, yeah, we have feelings for this one individual, but right now we just want to be friends and maybe the, down the line, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And, and that's basically what you got with Sonic and Sally. Now, of course, with any ship... There are detractors. The detractors come in the form of pretty much gaming fans or the new generation. The gaming fans and the new generation would look at characters like Amy Rose or Tangle the Lemur or Tangle the Lemur, Whisper the Fox, Blaze the Cat, and a few others, even the human princess Alice, as being potentially, if not better, love interests for Sonic than Sally. Why would that be? Well, it's real simple. It's because to them, these are characters that are part, officially a part of the Sonic game franchise. To them, Sally is not. Sally is a non-Sonic game character that's only appearance and only place of existence is outside of the games. So to them, her being with Sonic should not be. Sonic should be with characters like an Amy Rose, a Blaze, a Lelise, a Whisper, 
you know, a tangle, you name it. However, here's the one little thing sometimes they tend to forget. What they tend to forget is Sonic, is Sonic the Hedgehog, Saturday M, the Saturday morning cartoon, I should say, originally had a game planned to be released. Uh, the prototype, or at least like the first few moments of it, have been released online long ago, and it gives you an idea of what would have been. And yes, Sally was in there. As a matter of fact, in a bonus stage of Sonic Spinball, Sally, Bunny, Rotor, and Tails are all within these containers that Sonic has to break in the pinball uh, bo- in that bonus stage, that pinball bonus stage, to free them. So yeah, in a sense, they are officially part of the Sega game history and franchise. Uh, the Sega, the Sonic game. What I'm trying to say, the Sonic Sega, the Sega Sonic game history. They are officially part of that. I do apologize uh, for rambling there a bit. But that's basic. But so basically, the argument of Sally shouldn't be with Sonic because she's not a game character. It kind of falls flat a little bit with those two indications there. But, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why is it so popular? Well, like I said, it's because a lot of fans can organically relate to it. It's a believable relationship. The other thing as well that makes it popular is because it's one of those relationships that you know, one character's royalty, but she don't want to be. Tr- but she don't act like royalty. She wants to be an equal. She doesn't want to just sit on the sidelines and and do nothing. She wants to be out there in the action, doing something. And that's why fans like her. They do. And that's why they feel she's better off with Sonic. I mean, heck, one of the moments that really stands out to me is Doomsday Project when they both use the Power Stones to gain, to use Sonic's super speed to destroy the Doomsday Machine. And Sally, because of that, ends up, I guess, gaining a little bit of Sonic's personality or mischiefiness, or mischiefiness, if you will. Because after they succeed in a high five, Sally's kind of impressed that the power, that if a high five could do what it just did thanks to the Power Stones being within them, she's then asked in a very sensual way, what happens with a kiss? And it's like, whoa, you know, where did this come from? Like, this ain't Sally. No, because it's part of Sonic that's in her. Because of that. And that's what fans like. That's what fans like. And they like the fact that it's a naturally grown relationship. Because even in the cartoon, it naturally grew. Like, you knew there was something there between them, but nothing was made official to the end. Same with the comics. Even though you knew there was something between them, you didn't get into certain portions, like anniversary issues or afterwards, to pretty much confirm, yeah, these two are somewhat of an item. So... Basically, no matter how you look at it, Sonic and Sally, the relationship between the two, because it's ups and downs, you know, it's tribulations that it's gone through and everything, the believability that it has between the two, the, the chemistry that's right between the two, even in the eyes of non-Sonic fans, makes the relationship believable and fun to support. Now, uh, now here's the thing. I know a lot of people have their opinions about it. That's fine. But here's the other thing. You have your opinions about it, but you've got to remember, 
a character is only good or only acts a certain way when a writer writes them the way they should be. Because if a writer puts them in a position where they want to write them as this kind of a character, an OOC kind of character, then, yeah, you're going to have some detractors towards it. And there's no doubt... There's no doubt when Archie Comics had the license to the, had the license to publish the Sonic comics. There's no doubt that Sonic and Sally, depending on the writers, whether they were Carl Bowlers, you know, Ken Penders, Mike Gallagher, Scott Shaw, no matter who it was, you know, there are times they would act a little out of character. But at times, another writer would come along later on and fix it. Whether it was an Ian Flynn, whether it was Ian's wife, I can't think, I think her name was Alicia, or a few others, people would come along and correct it. So, so overall, yeah, there's no doubt that Sonic and Sally would be out of character at times, but in the end, it would always be rectified by somebody else who was writing the stories. So, in the end, guys, when we look at the Sonic and Sally relationship and what it is, for those of you on the podcast level of things, in case you guys don't know, hopefully, without this sounding very ramblish, hopefully this helped you understand why people support it, why people get behind it. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody disliked what happened to Sally after 231, after 2.30, and then 2.31 and onward. They didn't like it. Some were, I mean, here's the thing. Some were okay with how the story would progress because of it, and that's fine. But in the end, nobody liked the fact that Sally pretty much, in their eyes, was gutted and turned into a machine. They didn't like that because pretty much that... Pretty much what they wanted in the end was Sonic and Sally to be back together. And guess what happens? Fans themselves came together, created ArchieSonicOnline.com to continue the Archie portion of it, the pre-soft reboot portion of it, from 247 onward in their own uh, interpretation, and decided to give what they feel is better closure to the Mecha Sally arc the way they feel it was meant to be and the way Ian Flynn probably wanted it to be. And that's her not only being restored, but back with Sonic. So even the relationship between the two who has fans wanting to see them back together even is going as far as doing something like that. So in the end, guys... For those of you on the various podcast formats that you're listening to this on, whether it's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, you know, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, wherever, or even on or even on Spotify or Anchor.fm, the truth of the matter is this: no matter how you look at Sonic and Sal's relationship, the reason people love it and they support it is because it's believable. It's relatable, and it's and to them, it's a relationship that has good chemistry that you barely find anywhere else. So, that's all I'm going to say, guys. Thank you all for listening to this podcast exclusive. If this does show up on Podbean, it will be either later on when things are a little settled down there. So, just let you guys know, if you have Podbean, it will show up there down the line. Maybe not immediately, but very soon. But thank you all for listening. Take care. God bless.
Aivan.